Oh, that was weak. Good morning. It is hard to see you. I'm getting used to this. Second week in Martin. Hey, it is great to be with you. How are my people in the bleachers doing today? How about down on the floor? Bleachers. Floor. The floor wins, bleachers. We'll try that again next week. Hey, it is good to be with you. Uh, my name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here at the well, and it really feels like we're having like a revival weekend because we had church yesterday and today, and we're going to do it again in just a little bit. Um, but we had over 300 volunteers, I believe, including staff, come together. Thank you guys for coming. It is a joy. Everything you see here is done by volunteers uh, who really just give of their time freely. And so we're super grateful as a team and, and just being able to do this as a family together. So Thank you, volunteers. If you are not a volunteer, would you give a hand to our volunteers one more time? Thank you. As Stephanie mentioned, we're going to jump back into our Second Timothy series. And so we're actually going to dive in pretty quick this morning. And go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 2 Timothy 2 this morning. So if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Even in the bleachers, they'll get you a Bible. It's going to be okay. And you can also look online. We've got an opportunity for you to go online and follow along. And so all the text will be in there this morning if you go to the Bible app and, and go online right there. So that is for you to be able to follow along. We want your eyes on the Word because we believe that God's Word has power and that God's Word really gives us life. And so we'll look at that a little bit this morning. But again, it, it is just a joy to dive in with you today. Uh, we began... Second uh, Timothy, really in Second Timothy 1, and looking at how Paul is a spiritual father. He's a spiritual father that is calling his spiritual son Timothy into the faith. He's reminding him of who Jesus is. And just like Timothy, you and I need a, a reminder of who Jesus is. Amen? We need to be reminded of how good he is, how much he loves us, and how his grace really covers everything for us. And so we'll look at that a little bit this morning, but uh, I, I got to think here, Paul's got one shot, okay? And, and think, if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it or just let it slip? Yes. If you got that reference, congratulations. But that's where Paul is. He's got one shot to be able to talk to his spiritual son, Timothy, about what matters most. And so that's what 2 Timothy is. It's a letter from an older man who's actually sitting in a jail surrounded by Roman guards about to be put to death. And he's writing to his spiritual son saying, hey, I got one shot. This is it. Mom's spaghetti. I'm going to get this to you right here, okay? And he is giving Timothy what is most important. And so this morning, we're going to look at how he calls Timothy to endure for the sake of the gospel and how he calls Timothy to entrust the message of the gospel. You got that? how he calls Timothy to endure for the sake of the gospel, and how he wants him to entrust the message of the gospel. So this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, it starts out like this. It says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And he says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now that is absolutely loaded right there. In fact, it's actually the most famous passage on discipleship in all of Scripture, really. But what we're going to really hone in on today is how Paul is giving direction to him within this idea of discipleship. 
And so we see the thing of, of endurance coming later, but right here we see entrusting the gospel. Who is he to entrust the gospel to? To faithful people. And we're going to look at that a little bit right now. But we see first, he says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, right off the bat right there, if I said to you, hey, you then, my child, how does that make you feel? Inferior, right? Below. My child. We don't like to see ourselves in the posture of a child. We don't like to be in the posture of a learner very often, do we? I mean, how many of you are ready to get in and out of school and just be done with it? Some of you love it, right? But, but for a lot of us, to be talked to as a child might have some bad connotation. In fact, childhood altogether might have some bad connotation for you. And so when you hear, you then, my child, it's not a good feeling. And I want to acknowledge that before we get into anything else here, that Paul is saying, hey, you then, my child, I love you. This is what's important. I love you. I want the best for you. And many of us in here did not have an experience like that with our own parents, where we are walking through life and we're saying, I just want to talk to my mom and dad. I want to tell them this good news. Some of you don't have that joy. Some of you, when you hear of a father figure, really of a lot of authority figures in your life, you've experienced pain. You've experienced even abuse and tragedy. You've experienced yelling as a kid. You've experienced painful, painful things. And I want to tell you before we get into anything else that that is not God's heart. That is not Paul's heart in this message. He's saying, you then my child whom I love and I want the best for. I love you so much. I want to hug you. I want you to know this truth because it's going to change your life and it's going to change history. Does that sound good? That sounds a lot different than probably a lot of the moms and dads you might have grown up with. It doesn't really matter how old you are. All of us are bearing some experience in the past. But right here, when we hear, my child, I'm going to ask you this morning, would you receive it through the lens of the gospel? Would you receive it through the good news that Paul's saying, I love you dearly, my son, my spiritual son, my spiritual daughter. I love you. If you get this, you got it. If you just get this, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we already get how he's going to do whatever Paul says next. He says, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is good news. And that really sets up how we're going to do this whole thing we're looking at this morning of enduring for the sake of the gospel and entrusting the message of the gospel. We have to do it first in grace. We have received grace. Amen? You've received grace that you don't deserve. I've received grace I do not deserve. And that was what Jesus has done for us. We get to entrust this message to others. So right here, we get to see that who are we supposed to entrust this to? To faithful men, faithful women who are going to pass it on to others. In fact, if you look in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, you see four or five generations. It's interesting. This is God's method for multiplication. All the way from the garden with Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply with Noah, be fruitful and multiply. And here we see be fruitful and multiply, really. Pass this on. Pass this on. And so the gospel is not just for you. Newsflash. Grace isn't just for you. It's about the next generation. Because the gospel is going to be spread through you and I passing on the message of the gospel. You get to entrust this to faithful people. Some of you have wanted the gospel passed on to you and you've wanted to be discipled. You've wanted something to happen. But hey, maybe you're not living in faithfulness. 
Maybe you're wanting to be promoted within ministry or asked to do these certain things, even at work, but you're not living faithfully. You're not living out of the strength that is in Christ, and you're living out of your own strength, and it might be obvious. And so as we start this morning, may that convict us that these are the type of people that Paul is telling Timothy to pass the gospel on to. He's really calling him to discipleship. He's calling him to teach others. And so these generations of discipleship that we see, these generations of passing on and entrusting the message to the next generation, isn't just father to son, mother to daughter. It's actually spiritually true, right? Where you get to pass on the message of the truth to others. And so what we we see right here is that these generations are from just one person to the next. You could learn something on a Tuesday and share it on a Thursday, and it's been passed on. The message has been entrusted. But these generations right here, we see Paul telling Timothy, so there's two generations, to entrust a message to faithful people who will then be able to teach others also. So right there, you've got four generations. Again, the gospel is not just about you, but about what God wants to do in you and through you. And so this idea of discipleship, I was even talking to somebody on our, our staff team this week and just processing, what is discipleship? Can somebody give me their perfect answer right now? You got it figured out. Nobody. That's what I thought. Okay. We're going to do this together. Is discipleship mentoring? Yes. Is discipleship doing life together? Yes. Is being a disciple being a learner? Yes. Do you have to sit down at a coffee shop to be discipled? Amen. Okay. I really wanted to get that out of the way. We want to be able to pass on and entrust the message of the gospel. Matthew 28, 18. You don't have to go there, but for a lot of you that might be familiar, if not, that's totally okay. But it's called the Great Commission, and that's where Jesus asked us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he promises to be with us to the very end of the age. And in that, we see that making disciples has to do with teaching the truth. It's not just converting people. It's not, oh, I have made a disciple, and now I have made a disciple. No, it's doing life together and teaching each other over time. There is this beautiful thing uh, uh, that God has given us called time, and we hate it. We want to rush and we want to go past it. But true discipleship takes time and it takes doing life together over time. And so we see that God has given us that gift to do this. Um, I don't know who you have been discipled by. I don't know who entrusted the message of the gospel to you. For many in this room, I, I know you probably have not experienced that joy. And I want to encourage you with some things that we're going to point out in just a little bit. That we want to see that happen here. That it's our prayer that you'd be a part of this church family and you would be able to see God move and work in you here and disciple you. I've been discipled by my dad, a a guy named Dave, who was a a seminary student when I was a freshman and we just went all into God's word. A guy named Joel, Ben, an older man named Mike, my brother Andy. There's tons of people that have poured into me and I'm so, so, so grateful for that. We did life together and they kept pointing me back to God's word over and over it really takes being in God's word to be discipled. I've been able to disciple other guys and, and even ladies too. It's Zach, Justin, Trey, Trevor, Austin, Taylor. These are just guys I thought of because we've just done life together. Who are the people that you have been discipled by, influenced by? Who has taught you? Who have you taught? Uh, Howard Hendricks, a great writer, author, uh, professor, 
at Dallas Theological Seminary uh, years ago, he, he said this. He said, every disciple needs three types of relationships in his life. He needs a Paul who can mentor him and challenge him. He needs a Barnabas who can come alongside him and encourage him. And he needs a Timothy, someone he can pour his life into you. I pray that that is true of us. We don't have a whole lot of gray hair in this place. If you got gray hair, welcome. We love you. Please stay. But we are desperately in need of wisdom. And so when we look at who our spiritual mothers and fathers are, man, go recruit them from Round Rock and Cedar Park and get them to drive down, okay? But in reality, we want to be disciples. We want to be mothered and fathered for the sake of the gospel so that we can endure and be able to entrust this thing well. Uh, We want to encourage each other. Look around this room real quick. Look at the people down your row. That's your Barnabas. That's your Timothy. That's hopefully your Paul is there too. But are you encouraging each other to do this thing called following Jesus together? This is a joy. We get to do this as family. We get to do it in community groups. We get to do it as a church family together. And so just like we see in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, there's generations of impact that are happening. And we want to see that within our own church family. We want to see Paul's and Barnabas and Timothy's here in this place. I'm excited. I actually am going to jump what might feel like a little bit of announcements right now, but it's things that we've been praying about as a church, and, and God's actually opened the door for in these last few months. And so if you want to write down some of these opportunities you might be interested in, uh, some are classes and some are resources that we want to give towards this heartbeat of discipleship. If you were with us in the fall at Campbell Elementary, you saw that we planted our first church, Refuge Community Church. Give God a hand for that. I mean, that's incredible. You saw that we've actually sent two mission teams out of Campbell just this last fall, right? So this is just cool to see that God has been sending in our heart of exalt, disciple, and send. We've really been in that send uh, cycle, if you will. And so now we're refocusing on discipleship as a church. And we want to, as we grow and as we got people in the bleachers, we want to fight for intimacy as a church. We want to fight for relationships that are tight and that glorify God. And so we're praying that God would do that through some of these things I'm about to share with you. Uh, number one is we're going to offer a class called Repurposed. And Repurposed, yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't know who that was, but my wife's going to help me teach that class, so it might have been her. Uh, repurposed is about helping you figure out your God-given purpose. Does that sound good? How many of you are like, God, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do career-wise? Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to marry this person? Anybody ever have a question like that? Anybody? Okay, that's what that class is about. It's going to be a six-week class on Sunday afternoons, and we have another thing. We get to celebrate as a church family that we were meeting as a church staff in about 200 square feet, and just for a few hundred dollars more a month, Uh, That office expanded to like 1,500, 1,800 square feet, and now we get to actually host classes in there, which is just a gift from God. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. And so that class will be offered there Sunday afternoons. You'll see that online this next week. And so we want to offer that to you as a way for you to step into whatever God might have next for you. And then the the second one is, is we've got a missions class coming up. We are super excited. I mean, yeah, let's praise God for that too. We have a 10-week missions class coming up. It's going to help propel people that feel called to go overseas, to go on mission in your neighborhood. If that's you, sign up for that. And we really feel like God's doing something in our hearts. As we got to see God send a lot of people in the fall, we felt like, man, God's doing something bigger and better than we could ever imagine. 
let's get behind that. And so we're able to offer our emissions class. That's also going to be at, at the office. Uh, how many of you have asked or wanted to be in any kind of premarital counseling this spring? Anybody? Throw your hand up. Right now we have 22 couples who have said they want premarital at the well, okay? So God help us. <laughs> we are trying to, as a family, do that well. And so we're going to be offering that on Sunday mornings as well. And so I want you to look out for these things because these are ways that we will see a Paul reach a Timothy, a Barnabas encourage an admissions class. We will see Paul's in marriages encourage Timothy's in marriages who aren't even married yet, okay? Do you see what's happening here? We want to see this connection happen across our church family. And the fourth thing is really a resource for you. And, and I encourage you to write this down. We're starting something called Grow. It's a discipleship starter. And I want to just throw this out here to you. This is all about 2 Timothy 2. And we're trusting God to do something within this regarding discipleship because we see that God is moving way more than just on Sunday morning. Amen? And what we see him doing is that he's giving life to people and people are discipling people. And so we've had tons of people say, hey, what should I do to start discipling this person at my work? I've got somebody interested in the faith. I want to know how to do this. And so Grow is going to be just an online resource for you that we've seen work in other places as well. And personally, when I was a college pastor, I got to do this with 17 guys a week. Sounds crazy, but that was what I was doing, okay? And in that time, yeah, it was a full-time job, yes. Uh, in that time, we saw God move in a really cool way because Grow is not just one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It's you meeting with maybe two, three, four other people, and you're encouraging and challenging them, just like Paul is to Timothy, to go and to share it with somebody else. And so we start to see generations of discipleship, where I'm discipling a guy named Zach, and Zach just starts discipling a guy named Justin, and Justin starts discipling another guy named Kyle, and this just went on and on. And right there, we had four generations of discipleship. Within six months, we went from 17 guys to 215. Now, only half of those people were in our church, which is good. Because the other people were blessing the community and able to see that this is way bigger than us. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And so when, when we get to look at all this, it's not just classes we want to teach, but we really want to follow Jesus' model when he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. That's how we want to do life together. That's why we want to give you that discipleship resource, that you get to do that together and really enjoy walking through life together. Um, I, I want to push us towards this. If you are discipling anybody and you're not in God's word, you're not discipling them. You're actually just pointing them to yourself. And so I want to challenge you to do that. And right now I'm actually going to show you a, a gift, probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever received right here. And you're like, Adam, that's a Bible. It's a good gift, but is that really it? Yes, this is great. Because this Bible is falling apart. And the good news about this Bible is that a mentor of mine read through this entire Bible, and we read through about half of it together, and his name's Dave. And Dave gave me this Bible when I was diagnosed with cancer at 19. And this was what got me through. Me and Dave only spent about a year together. But in that process, we read through the Word. I haven't seen Dave in about seven or eight years since he came to visit in Texas. But when I get up to preach, I don't always bring this Bible up, but every week I look in it. Because there's notes that are still discipling me to this day. 
And in fact, what I'm preaching to you about this morning is from 2 Timothy 2. And guess what I can do is 2 Timothy 2. <laughs> because that's how much we went through this together. And so as I look at these scrolls or parchments, <laughs> I'm reminded of the goodness of God. And I haven't seen Dave in years, but he's still discipling me. If you really want to disciple somebody, point them to God's word and not yourself. That is why Paul is telling Timothy to remember Jesus Christ, to remember him. In 2 Timothy 1, we saw that at least seven times he tells him to remember Jesus Christ. And we get to see that God is continuing to do that through us to this day. And in that, we see that Paul's not so much concerned about success of ministry and how many people are coming to know or, or people are gathering with Timothy, but he's concerned with fruitfulness. Do you see it? Fruitfulness is so much more important in the kingdom of God than success. Because success is about your name and not about God's name. And so this morning, if you're thinking of discipling anybody, you're thinking of being on ministry, man, surrender your name. Because very few people know who Dave is, but God does. And he's still discipling me to this day because he pointed me to Jesus and not to himself. As we get to endure together, we're, we're going to face some hard stuff. But the gospel has endured. Amen? My dad this week, uh, I'm blessed to ha have a dad who's, who's been a pastor for 40 years. It is incredible to have somebody that pours in wisdom to you, whether you want it or not. <laughs> Those are the people you need in your life. And this week I told him I was preaching from 2 Timothy 2. And he shared this with me. He wrote this to me. He said, Adam, you are alive 1,960 years and about 78 generations after Paul and Timothy. You sit in Austin with the gospel in your hands because many others faithfully passed the baton on from generation to generation. And now it's your responsibility to carry it on. I wanna read some of his letter to you as the well. Well, we are alive 1,960 years and 78 generations after Paul and Timothy, us as a church. We sit in Austin with the gospel in our hands because many others faithfully passed the baton of faith from generation to generation. And now it's our responsibility. Psalm 78 says, to tell the next generation the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children and that they would put their confidence in God and not forget his works, but keep the commandments of the Lord. From a father to a son, from a mother to a daughter is how God has shared his message. The gospel moves at the speed of relationship. It moves through family. And now we are spiritual family and we're seeing the gospel advance. And so Paul has told Timothy to entrust the message of the gospel. He's told us to entrust the message of the gospel, to entrust the word, and that we would do that well. But Paul also says to endure. And he gives us three really good examples of endurance. He gives us a soldier. He gives us a farmer. He gives us an athlete. And so look down at verse 4 there. You see, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. 
An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. A soldier. Let's start with the soldier. He's suffering hardship. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Why would Paul say that? He's saying that because he's in chains. He's saying that because he is suffering. And it's interesting to me, and really this hit me yesterday as as I was diving in more, is that those are the people that are literally hanging out with Paul right now as he's in jail. He knows what it's like, and he knows what's going on in his soldier's life because that's who he's doing life with, the guys guarding him. And for a soldier, they, they have to be willing to give up their life. For a soldier, it's a matter of life or death. The soldier steps into the battlefield where bullets are flying. A soldier is willing to sacrifice comfort and safety for the sake of a greater cause, for the cause of freedom. Jesus was willing to sacrifice the comfort and safety of heaven and even his life itself for the sake of a greater cause, the redemption of your souls. A soldier is motivated by a greater cause and personal comfort or safety. Paul is calling Timothy to that as well. In our own church family, we have a faithful soldier. He's an army captain named Ryan Kreider. And this past week, my wife Laura and I got to spend time with he and his wife Sarah and their two adorable little girls. And as we were having dinner with them, I got to talk to Ryan about what it's like to be a captain in the army. And he's a West Point grad. Uh, He wouldn't tell you, but I think he's like a 4.1 GPA at West Point. Okay, this guy is humble, but he's good at what he does. And ultimately, as a soldier, he's made a decision to lay down his life to protect you and me. He gets to oversee 131 soldiers as a former company commander, and now he gets to help lead a whole battalion of 550 soldiers. He has to make decisions where their lives are in his hand often. He gets to problem solve for them and and get to make decisions about how they train, how they stay fit. But in that process... He's, he's had to really learn the culture, the tradition of the army as well. And at West Point, he told me, it's interesting. You come in as a freshman, they shave your head. You only get two weeks where you get to travel around the whole, to really leave campus of West Point the whole year. Most people go home for Christmas and go home in the summer. And you have to do everything to serve the upperclassmen. The upperclassmen will tell you all the traditions. They'll teach you along the way. The tradition gets passed down from one to the next, just like the gospel. And he said every time, though, that they they have a ceremony where they change or they're promoted or their their rank changes, really, for those of you that aren't aren't familiar with with the army, they sing a song called The Army Goes Rolling Along. And I want to read a verse to you of that. Men in rags, men who froze, still that army met its foes. And the army went rolling along. Faith in God, then we're right, and we'll fight with all our might as the army keeps rolling along. And the army goes rolling along. The reality and depth of these lyrics struck Ryan as one of his friends and one of the upperclassmen that had taught him what it was like to really be a man of God in the army and at West Point was killed in action in Afghanistan. And as Ryan began to sing these lyrics and think through them, when he himself was promoted, he thought about his friend who had passed away. That the army keeps rolling along. And for us, 
as a church family, we are part of something greater than ourselves. Just like a soldier is willing to give up their lives for the sake of others and it's greater than themselves, we're to endure, to surrender our lives for the sake of something greater than ourselves. And in fact, it's for someone greater than us and his name is Jesus. And he laid down his life for you and for me and we get to give our lives back to him. And so as Paul is reminding Timothy to endure like a soldier that doesn't get entangled in civilian affairs, do not get entangled in the things of this world. You will be tempted to not endure. You will be tempted to fall into temptation as you try to follow Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've been following him for 10 years or for two weeks or two days. Endure for the sake of the gospel. An athlete competes for a crown. And Jesus himself He did not wear a crown of gold here on earth. He didn't wear any gold medals like Michael Phelps. He wore a crown of thorns for you and for me. He surrendered his throne in heaven to come and be born as a baby, to give his life as a ransom for many. And we look at the farmer that's hardworking and he's honoring the Lord even in his work. He's tied to the land. He's tied to what he was meant to do. And yet we see in that that the hardworking farmer gets the reward here. There's endurance needed as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. Without endurance, there's no victory for the soldier. Without endurance, there's no wreath or crown for the athlete. Without endurance, there's no harvest for the farmer. Family of God, are you willing to endure for the sake of the gospel? Are you willing to endure for the sake of the gospel so you can entrust the gospel to others? Because if you're not enduring it, you can't pass it on. Because you're only able to do this in the strength that is in Christ Jesus. And so if you're not receiving his grace, you're not going to be able to give his grace. You're not going to be able to entrust the message of the gospel. And I challenge you, I challenge you to think about these things like Paul does in 2 Timothy 2, 7. He says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Now, at first, when I've read this uh, over and over, and I think, is this just Paul giving a caveat for what he said before? Because, like, it's really confusing. Why do you bring in the athlete and the farmer and the soldier? He's like, just think about it. You'll figure it out. No. (laughs) This is grace. Because really, the gift of understanding is a grace gift from God. And it's okay to think about it, too. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, and you're thinking all these Christians are kind of whack meeting in a middle school and singing songs, like, welcome. We're glad you're here. And if you're here and you're a skeptic to the faith and you're saying, like, I don't really believe this, but I I like these people. They're nice to me. Hey, welcome. We're glad you're here. And if you're here and you call yourself a Christian and you're struggling with admitting that you have doubts about what God's word says, hey, we're glad you're here. It's okay, because God wants you to think. He wants you to use the mind that he gave you. He wants you to process this. He wants this to sink in, and that's what Paul is saying as a father to his son. He's saying, I love you, son. You might not get this right now, but think about it. It's going to be good for you. Anybody had a dad or mom do that? It's like, son, I know you don't understand how to drive right now. You're 15, but just think about it. It would help everybody else out on the road. It'd be great if you could just think. Use your, you know, use your brain, son, okay? That's what Paul's kind of doing here. He's saying, think about it. 
there's time to think. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your thoughts. And so in this, we get a reminder of really how we get to do this. We don't have to do this on our own. We get to endure for the sake of the gospel because Jesus endured the cross so that the lost may be found. We get to entrust the message of the gospel because Jesus entrusted the message of the gospel to his disciples. And that's how you and I know the good news. So when Paul tells Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he means it. Because Paul is an old man in jail who is fully dependent on the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He needs his grace so desperately, that's all he's got left. That's what he wants to impart to his spiritual son. And so go to verse 8 with me, and we'll close out with this, because we see that Paul is writing to his spiritual son, and he's reminding him of what's most important. He's going to give us how we do this. How do we be strengthened in the graces in Christ Jesus? And we have to, in verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. This is an old man in jail. Get this. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Is that good news for you and me this morning? That the word of God is not bound by our ability, by our thoughts, by our our culture, by our sin. Even He can go beyond all of that. The word of God is not bound by the well in Austin. The word of God is not bound by the money that we have or where we meet. God's word is going to spread with or without you, fam. And it's good news that the word of God is not bound by us, but that he is spreading it. When Paul is in jail as a criminal, he is bound with chains. He can't even get the word out. But he's celebrating and telling his son in the faith, who's afraid because his father in the faith is in jail. Son, the word is not bound. And therefore, I know why I endure. It's for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus, whom I have believed, he says, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, those that God has chosen, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Remember Jesus Christ. Jesus is risen. He is alive. Amen? And he's the offspring of David. That means he is the eternal king. The word of God is not bound, which means the work of God is not bound. Do you believe that the gospel is bound? Do you believe that it isn't impossible for the city of Austin to be known for loving Jesus? Do you wrestle with that? Do you wrestle with thinking, I just doubt this thing. God is big enough to handle that. Because when you are faithless, we'll see in a second that he is still faithful. And he can take your doubt. And when it's hard to endure, because when you're not enduring, you're not entrusting the message to somebody else, he will then take somebody who is enduring and bring them to you and entrust the message back to you so that you'll be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and you'll be able to share that good news with the world. Is that good news? That you don't have to do this alone? So that when you feel like you fail, that he's not leaving you alone. And he's bringing somebody alongside you, a Barnabas, to say, hey, we got this. It's going to be okay. We get to do that. Church, we are going to face opposition. Especially in this city. We're going to face opposition even within our own church. Satan hates what we're doing. He hates that the bleachers are full right now. 
I love it personally, but he hates it. We are going to be enticed by the pleasures of the world. We are young and we are desperately in need of wisdom. We desperately need to disciple each other into the word and not to ourselves. You're going to hear others compromise the truth. You're going to hear other Christians compromise the truth. I beg you to endure for the sake of the gospel. Would you endure and not water down the message of God's good grace? Paul also gives us the ultimate example of grace. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. What is he calling him to remember? He said it seven times in chapter one, and now we see it again. Remember his suffering. Remember his sacrifice. Remember his love. Remember his grace. Remember the cross. Remember the resurrection. Remember what you saw Jesus do? Remember what Peter said, Timothy? Do you remember this? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so you will not grow weary and lose heart, Hebrews 12 says. The one who could have conquered all immediately conquered all by giving up his life. Paul also pointed out his own life as an example. Timothy had been with him for 15 years at this point. He had witnessed Paul's life. So when Paul says, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not in prison, it's not bound, we see that Timothy understands. Paul's saying, son, look at my life. You know me. You have followed me. Do what I do. Would you and I be people who disciple and pass on and entrust the gospel the truth, the message of the gospel in such a way that we could look at others and say, follow me. That's something we need to wrestle with the Lord about. Are we people that can be followed in the gospel? Paul ends with, with a hymn, and it's kind of a, an OG hymn, if you will. It's one of the original hymns in the early church. And it's only four lines, and it's so beautiful because we see that Paul is calling on his spiritual son to remember this truth that they have shared together. Paul says to him in 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, he says, For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. We're called to endurance. And in that endurance, we have to trust that he will be faithful. And so Paul telling his spiritual son a reminder, he is faithful. Uh, this past week, my, my dad, who I shared with you, has been in ministry. He wrote me a letter which is really cool, and he did it only in like an hour, which is just amazing. He did it from perspective of a spiritual father to a spiritual son, and I want to read the last part of it to you this morning. And I want to encourage you, take my name out and put your name in. And it's a blessing for us to have spiritual fathers and mothers pass on this good news to us so that we might endure for the sake of the gospel and that we would also entrust the message of the gospel to the next generation. A letter from dad to Adam. Adam, be strong in the Lord because he gave his all for you. 
give your all for him. One day you will see Jesus. One day you will be with him. One day you will reign with Jesus in his beauty, majesty, and glory. And because you're going to see him, dread the thought of doing anything that would dishonor his name, son. Dread the thought of doing anything that would leave you ashamed when you come into his presence. Adam, live a godly life. Live a grateful life, grateful for the grace and love and blessing he has shown you. Be strong in faith. Trust God. Trust that he will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong in what you believe. Do not waver from the truth of the word of God. God's word is not bound. Remember that, son. Be strong in character. Resist temptation and live with integrity and a pure heart. Be strong in courage. Take a stand no matter what anyone else thinks. Be strong in the gospel. Share the good news with your friends, classmates, and coworkers, and neighbors who so desperately need to hear. Be strong in the Lord because Jesus gave his all for you. Give your all for him. Love, Dad. Endure for the sake of the gospel. Jesus endured the cross so that the lost may be found. Entrust the message of the gospel. Jesus entrusted his imperfect disciples with the message of the gospel. And hey, it got here 1,900 years later, okay? God can do this thing. The army is gonna keep rolling on. And the message of the gospel will continue from generation to generation until Jesus comes back. Do you wanna be a part of that family? Do you wanna entrust the gospel to the next generation? Do you wanna endure for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray to that end. Let's pray that God would strengthen us in the grace that is in Christ Jesus so that we would endure and that we would entrust the gospel. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for giving us the strength to honor you, the strength to glorify your name. Father, I pray that for those in this place that even the first thing we said of, my child, would you be strengthened? Lord, I pray that they would see even their earthly fathers and mothers differently. Would they be able to worship you and endure, endure the hardships that have come from that? Would you just bless them to be loved on by you as their perfect heavenly father this morning? Would we remember to entrust the truth of the gospel, Jesus? Not that we would gather people to us, but that we would gather people to your word. That as we do life together, as we disciple others, as, as we pour into others and as we are poured into God, would we do this in the truth of who you are, Jesus? That we would remember what you have done, how you laid down your life for us. And you gave us grace that we did not deserve. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you this morning. 
And we ask you for the strength to endure and for the passion to entrust the message of the gospel. We love you, Jesus. Amen. This morning, there's eight tables in here for communion. And on your right over here, there's a gluten-free table for those that would like that. We've, we remember what Jesus has done for us during this time. We remember that Jesus himself is the commander of heaven's armies. He's really the perfect soldier, willing to lay down his life for you and me. And he's also the athlete who had the crown of thorns put on him. And he's the farmer that he had to spread the seed of the gospel and entrust it to his disciples that made it all the way to you and me. Would you remember how Jesus endured for you on the cross as you partake of communion this morning, as you get to experience and remember Christ as Paul is imploring Timothy to do? Would you remember Jesus Christ? in this moment, and would it change how you entrust the gospel to others? We love you guys.